0: Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Christopher Daniels, CPA and Chief Financial Officer. Chris is an infantry officer, airborne ranger, combat veteran who was awarded the Bronze Star and Combat Infantryman's Badge among his many awards. Chris recently retired as a colonel from the Army National Guard after 33 years of service. Chris has an extraordinary ability to motivate others towards a common goal. He has global business experience in financial, information systems, operational, and regulatory auditing to include a vast regulatory experiences. These regulatory experiences include Sarbanes-Oxley compliance, the SEC, FINRA, as well as coordinating and collaborating with numerous global regulatory agencies in several jurisdictions, including the US, UK, Switzerland, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Japan. Chris has performed numerous business process evaluations and redesigns ERP system implementations and fraud investigations, a proven ability to build and lead teams during periods of change and drive organizational efficiencies through effective planning, coaching, and administration. Chris started his own commercial finance advisory firm called Palm Capital and Funding Services. Prior to working with Orcasmart, Chris worked at one of the top 10 international hedge funds for over 11 years, and prior to that, he worked at General Motors, which he started at in 2005 after his federal mobilization to Iraq. Among his several advanced degrees is an MBA, a master's in cybersecurity, and he is a graduate of the U.S. Army War College. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, great. I'm I'm really happy to be here. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, today we'll be discussing your professional experience and taking a look at the challenges you faced and some of the lessons you've learned throughout your career, and I'm really looking forward to this discussion, so let's get started. Sure. First, tell me a bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure. I definitely did not take the more traditional path of of becoming a CFO that's for sure. I mean most CFOs if you check out their background they're going to have, you know, some time at the big four firms, you know, back when I started it was the big eight firms, you know, then they, they became a controller and worked their way up and eventually became a CFO. That wasn't my path. I have spent most of my time as an internal auditor as my career. I'm a CPA, but also a very non-traditional part of my career has been spending time in the National Guard. I just recently retired after 33 years with the New York Army National Guard as a colonel. And that has taken as added to my career path for sure and my leadership skills and my style and you know how I've developed myself professionally. But it's also taken away from the workforce. To give you an example, when I was working in a commodities broker named FEMAT on 9-11 in New York City, I was taken away from my desk as reported down to ground zero in response to the events at 9-11. Wow. Um, and I was down there for four months with the New York Army National Guard as a first responder, I then spent four months in the defense of New York City. Then went back to work for you know about six to eight months, and then was activated in April of 2003, sent to Iraq, and returned in November 2005. So you know those events definitely shaped the person who I am and my my role today. After returning from Iraq, I then worked for General Motors for three years. General Motors is a great company. It was a great company back then. But unfortunately, they were heading into bankruptcy back then, if you recall, when they went bankrupt. I uh, saw the writing on the wall, left General Motors. Was lucky enough to secure a job at, at a hedge fund called Millennium. At the time, the, the hedge fund was only 400 persons strong. The year was 2008. And we can remember what happened in 2008 with the Bernie Madoff scandal, Bear Stearns, all different companies going bankrupt. It was a horrible time to be on Wall Street. But uh, we survived. And I helped build the company up from uh, we started at 14 billion, dropped to 7 billion. And I built it up from 400 people to 2,300 people. When I left, it was $35 billion in assets under management. So about a year and a half ago, I semi-retired from that and started my own investing. OK, and I've been quite successful in that. But then, as everyone knows, the pandemic hit, COVID hit, and I was locked inside my house, and I was bored out of my mind. And I said to myself, I got to do something different. This retirement is just, just not working for me <laughs> at, at my <laughs> age. It's not know? for everyone. No, it just, I mean, it was good for a short period of time. You know, and I'm sure a lot of people thought heading into COVID, like, oh, if I only have like four weeks at home doing nothing, okay, what would I do? And a lot of people are thinking to themselves, that wasn't much fun. Yeah. This, well, for sure. So I looked across the market and said, okay, what are people going to need? What's the, what's the next big thing? And I looked at how many businesses were going to be struggling. And I decided to start a commercial finance advisory business, helping businesses get loans. And I started that out and I've been quite, quite successful out of the gate helping people get secure additional finance to keep their business afloat. And it's been it's been challenging, but it's been very enjoyable, you know, and seeing people succeed. It's re- really nice. That actually led me to my present business partner, Kenny. Okay. Kenny is the, the started a company and is the president CEO of a company called GlowPack USA. The Low Pack USA imports all different kinds of containers from overseas, whether it's a wine bottle, a beer bottle, a hand sanitizer bottle, any kind of plastic or glass container that you want to put a product in, Kenny can secure for you either off the shelf or he can help you design your own product. After I helped Kenny secure a refinancing on, on a business loan that he had to pay off due to because of, of his drop in business with COVID, we were able to refinance that. Uh, we, we got talking. We had some lunch. And Kenny asked to take a look at a piece of technology that they invented to run his business. Similar to the story of Shopify, where these three snowboarders uh, were trying to create a website to run their business, that they were unsatisfied. Kenny was very unhappy with he can get in the market. So I looked at this piece of technology and I said, Kenny, this is absolutely incredible what, what, you're, what you're bringing to the table. And he already had a name for the company called orcasport.com. And the thing about Kenny is he gets very attached. Kenny loves the Orcas, okay? So the, the actual Free Willie you know, Shamu, he, he loves Orcas so much he named his company after that. His company was started, okay, and then his second son was born. And believe it or not, his second son's name is Orca. Wow. So it takes... <laughs> Yes. So his, we don't know if his son is named after the orca, the whale or orca, the company. We're not too sure yet. OK, and he, he won't tell me that. All right. But he definitely loves the, the name orca. Okay. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, it's just it's 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 a great story. It really is. It's a great story. And so it's been really a great run of CFOs. Like I said, it, it was just a non-traditional route for me to become a CFO. And my primary focus is really on obtaining the financing and taking the company public. That's where we go with that route. You know, so it's, it's, it's just been an incredible year and a half working with Kenny. I have to tell you that.
0: Yeah. So what what particularly is it about
1: orcas that he loves? Is there something in particular? I think he loves all sea mammals. I mean, we go back and forth between Florida. I have a condo in Florida. He recently bought a condo in Florida. I took him out of the boat, and we were in the middle of a, a pot of dolphins hunting. And he was just mesmerized by watching these majestic sea mammals, okay, hunt their prey, and then swim by the boat and make noise at you and swim around the boat. It was just was an incredible experience. It's just something, you know, when you see it, just, you know, it's it's an incredible feeling. You know, when we see the manatees swimming, it's just so peaceful. It really is. And, you know, the orcas, you're just seeing them in the ocean, you know, watching them on TV. you know, Not in SeaWorld so much, but you know, the other places, it's just an incredible experience to watch those, those sea mammals, you know, swim in the ocean. That's what I think he really loves. Yeah, they're magnificent for sure. Yeah. I mean, one thing things he talks about with the orcas, you know, and it's part of our model okay, of, of orcasmart.com. You know, orcas work at a pod and they, they help each other during a hunt. They help each other survive and they work collectively for the good of the pod. And orcasmart.com is the design of that. Okay. And the e-commerce site is to bring businesses together to have them work collectively together for the better of the pod. And I think that's one of the things that Kenny likes to stress in his creation of Orcas Somewhere For Sure, is that we're just like the Orcas, helping each other you know, achieve success.
0: Yeah, sounds like a fitting name.
1: It really is. It really is.
0: And it definitely sounds like you've lived through some life-changing events, but yes. it, in particular, are there stories or moves that stand out in your mind as like real turning points in your career?
1: Well, sticking to the theme of how I became a CFO, okay, I have one kind of hysterical story. When I went to college, I was a lacrosse player. That was my major, so to speak. And no one in my family had ever gone to college before. I didn't know I wanted to go to college. My parents said, oh, what are you going to do? I'm like, I guess I'll go to college and play lacrosse. So I get down to college. I meet a girlfriend. Okay. And she's very bright. Uh, you know, her parents, you know, are, are professionals. You know, white collar. My dad worked for the railroad. My mom was a lab technician. You know, so my my was my the contractor. That's, that's the kind of background I came from. So she said to me at a point, like, so what, what is your major? And I, I I didn't know what to say, so I got smart. I said, so what is your major? You tell me first. She says, I'm an accounting major. I want to be a CPA. So I said, that's funny. I'm an accounting major too. I want to be a CPA. Well, I didn't really know what a CPA was, but that's how I became an accounting major and eventually became a CPA. Wow. I've never heard that one before. That's a great story. Yep. So that's, that's that's how it all started back then, you know, having a couple beers, you know, with my girlfriend. So,
0: <laughs> so uh, yeah, it sounds like the path worked out for you.
1: Yes, it did. The, the, the relationship didn't last after college, but the, the CPA license did work out well. So I thank <laughs> her for that.
0: Everything happens for a reason. That's for sure. Definitely. So you worked as the global head of internal audit and management controls for 11 years at millennial or millennium hedge funds.
1: Yes. Tell us... A bit about your
0: greatest challenges in that role.
1: Some of the greatest challenges, like I told you, the firm grew from 400 people to 2,300 people. It, it dipped at a low of, of seven billion to 34 billion. We had global offices throughout the world. The biggest challenge, I think, was was early on is, was convincing management the need for certain controls. You know, hedge funds back when I started were really the wild wild west. You know, There's an expression that they often got chalk on their cleats. Okay, that means you push. You push it to the line as far as you can go at, at a hedge fund. And you know management hired me to, to help them establish controls, but they often didn't want those controls. So it was more of a convincing type of, of role as opposed to working in a bank where you can slam your fist in the desk and say, hey, there's regulations, there's regulations. And regulations for hedge funds really didn't develop until the, the second half of my career at Millennium. So, it really was a convincing, you know, this is why we need them. This is what could happen. It could cause financial loss to the firm. It could cause us to, to, to violate regulations. And I was very successful at convincing them. I put a lot of different things in place early on that survived. I mean, one of the things that I look back on was I was a big advocate of the BCP plan. Okay. You look at how the firm went into the pandemic. We shifted from a a 9-11 type of plan where everyone goes to a disaster recovery site and works from there to a work-from-home model as technology involved. And I was a big pusher of that that technology. And, you know, often I'd say, okay, you know, we can test the technology all at once. We test technology piecemeal, but if we don't test it all at once, we'll never know if it's going to work. OK, so I, I was an advocate for having the entire firm try and test in a time window to see if our, our technology bandwidth would work. And we were successful at that. And, and I think that's why they were able to survive the pandemic and actually thrive during the pandemic and the work from all models. So I'm very happy about that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, I think the virus definitely t- tested a lot of uh, BCP
1: plans. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I mean, it's been, you know, some companies have, have really thrived and, and couldn't believe how well their employees have performed. You know, and others have not. I mean, restaurants, for example. You know, certain restaurants really developed a model to, to make it through the pandemic. I mean, in my town, we had this one restaurant that opened two months before the pandemic, put a lot of work into their building, and as I as I, the pandemic that they are never going to survive. But they actually, day one, made a drive-in movie theater in their parking lot and had people pull into their cars and serve them meals in their cars. Wow. Okay, addition to the takeout, they're trying to track customers. That's and brilliant. And they were actually one of the first people to put up a tent outside. So they, they actually thrived, okay, during the pandemic and to make that restaurant model work. And it was just incredible to watch it happen and fold in front of our eyes. So did you find,
0: like, the greatest challenges to be during the times of growth or during the downturns?
1: During growth, actually, <laughs> okay? I mean, I, I'm sure you expected me to say during downtime. But, you know, in 2008, when I, I I first started Millennium, like I said, we're at $14 billion. We had the Bernie Madoff scandal. Uh, we, you know, we had Bear Stearns going under, we had Lehman going under. Okay. And when that happens, everyone knows the crisis. It's all hands on deck. You know, everyone is like, what do we need to do to survive? What do we need to do to get past this? You know, everyone is willing to work late and put in the time and effort to, to make the, the firm survive. Everyone understands the risk at that point in time. During the good times at a hedge fund, okay, and everyone's making money, the attitude is, what are you worried about? Stop, please. Okay. And that's where the, the management controls and internal audit function really comes into play. You know, try and make sure the controls stay in place, okay? To, to make sure they still work, that you still have a solid foundation. And as the as the firm grows, you build on the controls. Because the same controls that a firm is willing to accept and operate under at a 400-person firm is, is not going to be the same that they need and require at a 2,300-person firm. You know, the technology department can say, "Okay, we can't have one person work in the dev space, the development space, and then one person, separate person, work in the QA space a space, one person work in the production space." space when you're 400 people and only have 200 coders, okay, but as you grow to 2,300. You now have to filter in and build up those controls. So people understand this is now important as we grow. Okay, as more people touch a code, it's important to have better controls in place. And so, I think the growth phase is really the more challenging place for an internal and a finance and a finance professional to operate in, for sure, definitely. Yeah, I mean,
0: that makes sense. So, as you look back at those eleven years, what were your most significant learnings
1: while you were in that role? It really was people. It really, you know, when I got my accounting degree. I was required to take you know, different classes, you know, a science class, you know, a psychology class, a sociology class. And honestly, and I, I looking back on it, the psychology class that I took was probably one of the, the most important classes in my career to understand people and their motivation and how to motivate them. I saw it in my military career that, that each person cannot be motivated the same way. Each person has a different motivation when they come to work. It Could be the size of their office. It could be the size of their paycheck. It could be their title. Okay, it could be money. Like what, 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 what is motivating these people to come to work every day? And understanding that motivation, understanding where they come from, their background, understanding what are their thoughts, what are their concerns, what are their fears? You can really motivate some people. I mean, you know, when I took my, when I had young people come and work for me, you know, they're starting out in their new life. You talk to them about, okay, you know, you're going to get a salary, you're going to get benefits. Let's talk about the benefits. Why should you put your money in a 401k plan to plan for the future? What about life insurance? Your wife just had a baby. You know, and you take that time as a leader to talk about those different things, you know, to let them know you care, you can really motivate a team. You know, and then once your team knows that you care and they're motivated, that spreads throughout the entire organization. When you when you walk into a, a room for a meeting, people understand who you are, what you're about, and then you can look across the room and see what they're about. I mean, that's probably the, the the greatest thing I've learned in my time at learning is understanding people.
0: Yeah, those softer skills are so important, especially as you move up uh, in your in your career. Oh, it
1: definitely is. It's, it's it's I mean, it's it's something that just can't be taught. It's got to be observed, learned, and just something that's innate. You to show show you actually care about people. It can't be about the dollar. If you care about your team, your team's gonna care about the job, and it's gonna actually work out better for you.
0: Yep, agree. So switching gears a bit, tell us a little bit about Palm Capital and funding services.
1: Sure. Palm Capital, I'm, I'm a sole proprietor. I do it myself. Okay, It started off as a little part-time you know, gig that i I'm helping people. My biggest challenge during the pandemic was I, was I was trying to focus on businesses. And with that, I was advertising for small businesses, SBA loans. Well, the SBA was also going through a huge process of offering PP loans, offering disaster lease loans. So my advertising kind of got mixed in with the SBA. I would get probably about five calls a day of people thinking I was the SBA. And wanting to help people, you know, some people just hang up on them and say, "Ah, oh, you know, wrong number." But I made sure I always kept the SBA number handy and explained to, to anyone that called the process how the SBA operates to help them out. So I, I wouldn't say I wasted a lot of time, but I, I'd say I spent a lot more time than I anticipated helping people out for no benefit to myself to try to get them through the disaster. Mm -hmm. I've since now switched over to commercial real estate focus, which has been very, very successful for me, because I think it's just a more, it's an area just to to be in that that's more profitable for my business line. And it's working out extremely, extremely well now. I'm, I'm actually working on some very big deals right now. I'm also helping some other companies finance themselves, just kind of stumbling upon things. And I think really the last two years, I've just stumbled into great things you know, by pure luck. And I just thank God upstairs that's worked out this well. And so it's really, it's it's just been a great journey. I have no complaints.
0: That's awesome. I feel like all throughout my career, I've just been stumbling into things as well. So I love that that's happened for you too. Yeah,
1: people talk about a plan, and yeah, it's great to have a plan, but a plan doesn't survive more than five minutes. (laughs) So it's 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 great to have have luck on your side, to have God on your side, you know, have a great family behind you, have people support you, great business partners, you know. And I said it's it's if you treat people like you want to be treated, it's just gonna come back to you tenfold. And let's talk about Orca
0: Smart and uh, your role with them and why you were brought on to be the CFO.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's what we have. It's, and I'll give you a little bit of background of technology. You know, there's so many technologies out there. You have Salesforce, you have, you know, constant contact, you have Zoho, you got Fishboy, all these different technologies operate on different data sets. What Kenny has created through the use of his, his programmers, he's got one stop shopping for small to medium businesses. Now, we're not looking to take out Salesforce. We're looking to find those small to medium businesses that just haven't grasped technology yet. Okay, or have tried it and didn't work out, or can't afford it, or don't have the time, or it just doesn't work for them. And so, or we call it an ERP on steroids. We have a customer relationship module, we have a vendor relationship module, we invented our own Zoom. Okay, and I use the word Zoom. You know, at, that's a new Xerox term. You know, go make me a copy, make it, make a, make, make, make a Xerox. <laughs> you know, now it's, let's have a video chat. It's a Zoom. We invented our own technology called orca Smart Visual Link, where you can have your own visual chat call. We have a task management system in it that works extremely well in, in tracking who can do what tasks and when they're completed. We have an inventory module. OK, now if you look at Kenny's business model, Kenny would import wine bottles, let's say, from Asia. And out in California, you have the, the wine producer call up Kenny and say, Kenny, do you have 20,000 number nine wine bottles? Kenny would have to go say, hold on a second. Let me check my warehouse. And by the time Kenny got back on the phone, the guy would have already purchased the wine bottle somewhere else. It was a big frustrating problem. So what our program does is once everyone's properly permissioned, it allows the ultimate purchaser to look into the system okay, and seeing Kenny's inventory and say, oh, I need 50,000 number, number nine wine bottles, but Kenny's only got 10,000 in his warehouse. What do I do? Oh, look at this. He's got 10,000 at the port in San Francisco. He's got 10,000 at, at the ship coming over. He's got 10,000 leaving Singapore, and he's got 10,000 at the factory about to be produced, and they'll all be here in time for my reduction run. I'm going to purchase all those bottles at once. Okay, guess what? Now the factory is going to want to be on the system. Okay, the guy's going to want his cork supply in the system. It, and so it's going to spiral itself out of control once everyone gets into the data set. It's just an incredible, incredible model. And it has, it, we can do constant contact, email blasts. Okay, without using constant contact, our own system, proprietary system, new email blasts. We have a blog system and we have an e commerce site. And that's where we make our money. So we're offering this program to consumers of the businesses $25 per user per month, which is an incredible price. You've got nothing to lose to try it. And we take 10% of the e-commerce site. We also offer discounted shipping. We also offer other services as well. We have an HR module for training. We can just do everything for a small business. It's just something, it's an incredible, incredible package. And Kenny brought me on to actually help him finish the design. Okay, we finished our beta testing last year. We ran through $4.5 million of transactions on our e-commerce site during COVID, which is an incredible number to launch. And he wants me to help Finish the UI, the user interface, and the user experience on it, and also obtain the funding. And so it's been a great, great run, so to speak, on this. It's been exciting. It's been, you know, as as you know, as a CFO, it's it's you know, you can run the numbers all day long and be bored. You can be part of a company that's going to go IPO, and that this is where it's at. This is where the excitement's at. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like a very exciting place to be. It really is, and we're great. We've become great friends. It's, it's just, you know, when you work with people, you really enjoy the company and smart people. You know, we have another partner, Dan, he's our legal legal guy. And the three of us just get along incredibly well. Our our wives get along great. We all go out together for dinner. We vacation together. You know, it's just an incredible experience.
0: Yeah. Then at that point, it doesn't feel like work anymore.
1: It doesn't. I mean, we'll be out for dinner. We'll be on the boat fishing and we'll be talking business. It's just, it just, you know, it works. So other than just,
0: a small business, is there a particular ideal customer for Orca
1: Smart, or just like an yeah. industry that you guys target? Ideally, we're looking for someone that has an inventory, that, that purchases inventory and resells it. That's okay. the ideal sweet spot for us. It, it really is. I mean, it's, it's totally like I use it for Palm Capital. It's, it's so adaptable. I mean, if you look at any kind of business like yourself, you know, you have customers, you have a phone book you keep. It's just you want to do email blasts, blogging. It's, you know, for you, you can use all the features or some of the features or one feature. You know, so it's it's really what, what, what it gets so adaptable. But our, our sweet spot, I would say, is a small, to convenient business that, that has an inventory that makes purchases and does reselling. So that's our sweet spot.
0: And as you look back at the last year, it's been a little bit rough for a lot of people. What have been your greatest challenges? And is there anything that you would have done differently?
1: I think we we could have taken advantage of more work-at-home programmers and and got our program. Like, we're about two months away from our final beta test before we're going to go 100% live. And I think we probably could have sped that along if we would have capitalized on more programmers working from home across the globe. I think that's probably what we, we could have done better. But we, we we had our team in place and you know we, we should have expanded that and got a little long further, I think. Yeah. Well,
0: hindsight is definitely always 2020. Yes. And for organizations who see opportunity but are lacking funds, what tips would you give them for financing their vision?
1: There's so many different ways to fund out there. I mean, there's traditional the bank loans, okay, which you know companies like Bank of America and Wells Fargo are not lending. That's, they're just not lending. That's probably why my palm capital has been so successful. There are ways to go uh, on the Canadian exchanges, okay, which we, we, we've looked into. There's are, are ways to get, get capital in exchange for equity. There's, you know, they call it the, the three Fs, the family, friends, and fools, you know, to invest in your company is a way. <laughs> there's so many people out there who have capital to invest that you just can't give up. And the problem we've had early on is which we, we've changed the model is finding the right fit. Okay. So, what I mean by that is, you know, we, we've pitched to a different couple of VC companies and we realized that a lot of them wanted to, to do a call a fix and flip company. Okay. They want to invest in our company and sell it for a, a huge profit in one year and go back into the market, and buy something else. And that's not our model. We're on a three to five year glide path to go IPO and then explode to take on companies like Amazon and Shopify. Okay, that's what we're looking to do. And we think we can do that. So we want a long-term investor that's with us, but that has that vision. And they're going to get rewarded. And instead of, you know, twofold, tenfold, they, they jump on our track. And that's who we're targeting now. It's just finding who's the right match, the right the right lid for that pot. And it's out there. You just can't stop looking.
0: Yeah, I guess it's kind of like dating.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you just, you just can't give up. You could never give up in your dream. Okay, you might have to put it aside for a little bit. Okay, but never give up in your dream. That's great advice.
0: So as businesses mature and the, they outgrow that startup phase, many of them are lacking processes to function efficiently. So what recommendations would you give for building structure, putting in controls, implementing processes when an organization's in the growth phase?
1: You got to set the objectives up early. Okay. It's like what, like, what are you trying to achieve? If you don't set what your goals are, right up front okay we're going to accomplish x y and z okay and then build backwards from there if the whole organization is not rowing the oars in the same same way you're just not going to get there and so i i'd say setting those those long term objectives medium term objectives and short term objectives and goals up early on and then understanding what mistakes will be tolerable and what mistakes are game changers you know what 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 what's a killer to a firm i mean for us if our code was leaked out that's a killer yeah, we're done. Someone else is going to take and run. Uh, that's, that's what we look at. So, so protecting our code is our, our, our single most priority right now because it, it's so proprietary. It's all in-house developed by ourselves. And it's just, it, it's incredible. And so if that were to leak out there, would be a game changer in the technology world. And we wouldn't want that to happen. knock us out, knock us out of the water.
0: And as a CFO, what are your greatest concerns these days? What's keeping you up at night?
1: It's going to sound a little bit cliche. What's going on in the country now is we have this you know this big divide between Democrats, Republicans, haves and have-nots. Okay, and that's not what keeps you up at night. That does concern me. Okay, it should, like it should every American. But as a CFO specific to the business world, what concerns me is a similar type of divide between people's ability to use technology. Okay, and what I mean by that is is I remember when uh, when a VCR first came out, I had to do the programming for my parents' VCR. Okay, now my my does not use a smartphone. Okay, trying, you know, during the pandemic, getting, you know, people who are a little bit more older to, to, to understand a Zoom call. I'm constantly going to my mother's house and re- reprogramming her printer to a c- computer. You know, so there's a technology divide, technology advances so much. Is it going to pass by certain generations? Is it going to pass by certain people? Is it going to pass by certain neighborhoods and further a divide? And that's what keeps me up at that. Even if our company expands into this great model, we're going to have a thousand employees, two thousand employees. Will those employees have the technology skills to compete in the workforce? That's something of that concerns me. Like, like, how do we how do we keep everyone on the same level playing field with as as a, in regards to technology? Can everyone you know shop online? Are they still going to go to the store? What's best for them? Like telehealth. When COVID hit, how many seniors couldn't understand how to do telehealth and, and get themselves taken care of? Yes, that, that's where I get, get concerned. Like, how do we bring everyone along in the same technology platforms, the same skill sets so the country can grow together?
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's
1: what keeps me up at night.
0: Technology has definitely been on kind of a, an exponential path, like a hockey stick. Oh, yeah. It's crazy it's, what the last 20 years have brought. Yeah,
1: it's, its its I mean, it just I look at that, you know, when I grew up as a kid playing Atari to what kids have these days, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. You know, cell, cell phones. I mean, just, it's, you know, I mean, I just just replaced my my Samsung S4 with a Samsung S21.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when I have technology questions, I go to my 10-year-old son. It's crazy Uh, how much kids know. And lastly, now that we're well into 2021, what's one goal, either personal or professional, that you are hoping to achieve?
1: Well, I think the pandemic has been a challenge for for many families. And I've, I've been lucky that my family actually has grown closer during the pandemic. But my son has recently moved into New York City. To continue his education. So, you know, I want to continue to maintain a close relationship with him. Okay. My daughter's at home. She graduated college. So she's home. That's fine. And on the personal side, I want to continue, you know, the good things we developed out of COVID as a family. That's one, one thing. On the business side, I think this is the, you know, the next six months, we want to actually get the funding and take this company and just blow it up. So that's, that's where we're at. And I think we have some really solid leads on that right now. I think, we're, I think we're going to do it. So that, that's, you know, just look out for orchersport.com. Here we come. Yeah. Sounds like you've definitely got some exciting things ahead of you. Yeah. It's just, it's been, it's been a great time. I mean, I have to say, you know, COVID has been very good to me. I know it's been horrible for the people, but you know, I've been very, very, very lucky under COVID.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I have have been pretty lucky myself. So, but yeah, not to say because a lot of people have really suffered during the last 12 months, but yeah, a few of us have uh, come out. Okay.
1: That's why I've made sure I've given, you know, as much as I can to food banks and charities that's yeah. specific to the COVID relief that, you know, so people as much suffering as we can share. I've had my son's girlfriend live with us for the last year, you know, because she had nowhere to go. So it's been, you know, we're doing what we can to help everyone.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like you set, set up pump specifically to help people, which is
1: wonderful. That's yeah, one of things I really, when I see someone get a loan and I see their business take off, it's just, it's just, a, it's a great feeling. So, Chris, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thanks, Megan, for having me. I, you know, I really love your podcast and I'm so glad I, I was able to contribute. This, is, this has been a great conversation.
0: Yeah, I've enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experience. And you've given us some wonderful advice, and I really appreciate you sharing. And to all of our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this episode as well. Please tune in next week. And until then, take care of yourselves. One last thing. Yeah. Go
1: Islanders. <laughs>